Share Care, helping you. Get younger, get guidance, get better care, get smart, get fit. Radio MD presents Share Care Radio with Daria Long Gillespie, MD. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is Dr. Daria. We are shifting gears right now to talk about a subject that I know affects many women and men's lives as well, and that is infertility. And the reality is that it's a much bigger, much more prevalent condition than many of us know, because at some point, 10% of reproductive age women have been affected by infertility. So whether you're thinking about having a child right now and going through the steps of fertility treatments, as some of my friends are going through right now, or you're thinking about it in the future, this is really a topic we all want to hear and we need to hear about, and not just the physical health aspects of it, but the mental as well. So that's why we're talking about it, because sometimes it can be a taboo subject. Women feel ashamed to talk about it. That leads to a lot of misinformation and even depression and anxiety. So I have with me therapist Rebecca Glavin. She is one of my favorite radio guests. I'm so excited we could have her on. She's going to be talking about dispelling some of our infertility myths, as well as how to deal with those emotions that come along with it. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Dara. It's great to be here. Now, I know you you yourself have two little munchkins, and but really what got you into you know this aspect of therapy of around the area of infertility? I think truthfully it started when we had infertility struggles ourselves. And sometimes I talk about that with clients and sometimes I don't, but it I think that it really opens my eyes to how um psychologically stressing the process of infertility can be and how um, behind closed doors it is. Not many people talk about it, and so it's a very lonely and isolating process when you're trying to conceive. Mm -hmm. And it really is. And can you tell us a little bit more about about what you really learned at that point? Because I think that's true. So many of us think, well, that would never happen to me. And then it... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I spent, what, probably 15 years trying not to get pregnant on birth control, (laughs) and then I decided, okay, I have my career, everything's figured out, I'm ready for kids. And so we mm-hmm. tried to get pregnant, and we couldn't. I mean, I have my—I don't um, personally produce enough hormones, so um, we had to do IVF with our kids, and um, and it is—it um, is not something you would choose to do on your own. I think it is mm-hmm. a fantastic medical treatment, and it is really impressive how much it increases the odds of being able to get pregnant, especially addressing medical problems. But um, but it is purely consequentialist. No one would choose to go through IVF if they didn't have to. So mm-hmm. um, I would That's say so that that really opened my eyes to how difficult of a process it is. I mean, you know, there's a lot of research done on the psychological stressors of infertility. And um, a woman, Alice Domar, who's in Boston, her research shows that it is um, the same psychologically um, to experience infertility as it is a terminal illness. So there is something biological, um, particularly for women, about the thought and the experience of of not knowing whether they'll be able to conceive a biological Mm -hmm. child that um, is comparable to that of having a terminal illness. That's amazing. You know, and you're right. It's it's wonderful that we have all these medical technologies today that we can help somebody who has infertility to to have some of them to have their own children, but there are there's an entire mental aspect, mental health aspect of it that you just mentioned. And it can be tough because I know women who are going through it as well, no matter how supportive their spouses may be, 
men, they, they don't understand. This really kind of, no matter how successful we are as career women, suddenly if you have some problem with infertility, it, it gets to your core as a female. Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, I mean, 30% of infertility is due to female factors, roughly 30% to male, and then the rest, 40%, is just kind of unexplained or some combination mm-hmm. of the two. So mm-hmm. men definitely do experience infertility. However, there is something about um, a woman with, whether it's hormones or um, our physical body or, or our psychological makeup, that our, our identity, some piece of it relates to being a mother, whether you choose to have biological mm-hmm. children, adopt, or choose not to have children. It's a choice that women make. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that all men really, it's just not, um, I, it's not the same. No. I've known people who didn't want to have children all their lives and decided they wanted to and found out they were having infertility issues. And all of a sudden it was like, wait, wait, you're telling me I can't have this? But it was somebody who just wasn't even sure for the first 35 years that she even wanted children. But suddenly that identity was so tied to that. So I want to take, let's just really quickly talk about, you know, how many women are we talking about that may be affected by infertility at some point? Um, I think it's a, the research that I recently read was around 6.1 million women, which is about 10%, as you mentioned, of the reproductive age population. And I, that, according to the CDC, um, that's one in eight couples having difficulty conceiving. So it's not that rare. No. Then why is it, what is your theory on why it's such a taboo subject? Maybe it's partly what we were just talking about, that kind of the, the female identity. But why isn't it discussed yeah. more? Um, I think for a number, so first I think there's a, a really high level of shame and um, that goes along with the woman um, and feeling like she's inadequate and, and also feeling betrayed by her body. So there's a lot of feelings that are, are really big and difficult to process. So you start dealing with that and you're not really sure where to go with those feelings or what to do with them. And you feel like you're the only one. In fact, you're not, but because so much of um, trying to have children and and feeling like um, often women feel like they're they're not good enough or they're failing at having children. You know, so many women succeed in their careers and then they can't have a child. It's, it's really difficult to kind of process mm-hmm. and come to terms with. So, um, so I think that makes people want to keep it close to their chest, not want to talk mm-hmm. about it, which unfortunately makes it feel more like you are the only one going through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's also a lot of different personal beliefs about assisted reproductive technology, um, whether Mm -hmm. it's religion or morals about what people's stance are. Is IVF a moral thing? Is gender selection moral? Um, Mm -hmm. This is is, true. You know, how does religion play into this, into the creation of life? And and so there's a lot of different pieces of it that I think fall into um, people just feeling more comfortable talking about it behind closed doors and trying not to really um, address it in public. Mm-hmm. You make a really great point there. I have a friend who's going through this and comes from a very, very religious family, and she had told her family, but they kind of objected at first. And yeah. so you know, you, you want to tell people and get that support, but not at the risk, if you are risking that you know you will get some... Uh, disapproval from somebody at a time when you're feeling so vulnerable as it is it's almost not yeah so then you've just been you've received disapproval that your one your best chance at a biological child um is not going to be accepted or doesn't feel accepted so then where does Mm -hmm. that leave you does 
does it do you, the question then comes well would an adopted child be more accepted or how do you how do you seek support and kind of come to terms with that when you're dealing with not only your own personal beliefs and your own opinions but also those of the people you trust and care most about yeah there, there's so many so many features so many facets to it and I think another kind of misconception that comes along with it is that infertility only affects older women. Maybe that's yeah. kind of what we get from Hollywood. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's not the case at all, is it? No, there are many people in their 20s that face infertility. I mean, I, I struggled with infertility and I was in my 20s. I think mm-hmm. infertility would be um, diagnosed earlier if more women try to become pregnant earlier. I mean, biologically, you do have a higher chance of becoming pregnant if you are healthy um, at a younger age. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that whatever problem might cause infertility isn't there when you're young and older. It, it just right. doesn't really necessarily relate to age. Mm-hmm. Yes, this is true. And a lot of women who are being diagnosed with infertility at age 38 would have been diagnosed at 23 if they had tried to get pregnant then. It's just that they were probably on birth control pill and trying everything they could to avoid yeah. getting pregnant at that time. And there are um, causes of infertility like low ovarian reserve um, that mm-hmm. do relate to age, but it's not the only one. I mean, endometriosis, past miscarriages, um, polycystic ovarian syndrome are a number of different things mm-hmm. that, that affect women's chances of becoming pregnant that don't relate to age necessarily. Mm-hmm. This is a great point. Now, are there additional kind of emotional challenges that a younger person, younger woman faces if she's dealing with infertility that an older one may not? I think that there are. So, number one, you're dealing with um, the the vision that you had of how pregnancy was going to go. You you expected, mm-hmm. okay, well, I was on birth control, and then maybe you got married, maybe you didn't, but you expected it to just work, right? You go mm-hmm. off birth control, and at least this is my story, that I went off right. birth control, and I expected to be able to get pregnant, and, right. and all of a sudden I can't, couldn't. Um, Mm-hmm. And then I was surrounded by peers who were starting to become pregnant and who were having right. baby All on Facebook, and, right? Yeah, on Facebook and, and seeing their beautiful baby pictures and everything. Yes. Absolutely. And you're being asked by people all the time, oh, you were married two years ago? Or are you going to have kids? Do you want Which kids? Which should you be know, an illegal kids? question. You sh- you're <laughs> not allowed to ask, pregnant. when are you getting married? Are you pregnant? And when are you having kids? Those yeah, it's a really personal question, and it brings up exactly. a lot behind the scenes that I think the the person asking doesn't really recognize yes. when they when they put it out there. Mm-hmm. So true. Um, so I, I think there's all these cues around us, and you know, even in in church services, we're out in the community on Mother's Day. You know, mothers mm-hmm. are are just a really mm-hmm. big topic, which rightly so. It's a, a huge mm-hmm. role, and also it's a reminder of something that that a person might want that they're, have. they're struggling to get there. That's so true. And it's, it, which gets to my kind of next thought is that we're talking about the having infertility causes, you know, from a mental health standpoint of depression and anxiety and, uh, and worries, but there's also a tie the other way. To what degree are those anxiety and worries connected to infertility in the first place, or does it just become a vicious cycle as well? I do think it's a bi-directional relationship, but um, most of the research shows that it's depression more so than anxiety. That's the key um, experience for women. So um, depression can lead to infertility, and infertility leads to depression. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, women who have a history of depression symptoms are nearly twice as likely to report subsequent infertility 
than women who were not depressed previously. And up to 17% of women struggling with infertility meet a diagnosis of depression. So it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is really important to know because that relates to my work so much. If, Mm -hmm. um, If you can address the depression symptoms, whether before infertility or after infertility begins, you um, you clearly increase quality of life, but um, that woman that I mentioned, Alice Domar, her research also shows that you can increase pregnancy rates to some extent, whether it's correlational or causational, it's kind of unclear, but that pregnancy rates are affected by depression symptoms. Wow, that's fascinating. So what is being done? So you know, it, say a woman has struggled with depression or definitely seems to be struggling with it maybe it's coming to a head while she's going through her infertility struggle what is the best next step as as far as seeing a therapist do they put them on medication or or what are the therapies that you're using for them to help them so um a lot of so yes i think finding a therapist is a perfect next step i think Mm -hmm. reaching out for help and finding some support um and focusing on your self-care is really important Mm -hmm. um the there are also some research on taking a mind-body approach. So um, the relaxation response is a physical state of deep rest that occurs when a person's extremely relaxed. And mm-hmm. so when you're going through infertility, it's kind of like um, almost like a car accident after car accident after car accident. You're going to get your blood work, which is pretty traumatic. You're waiting for results. You have an ultrasound. How many eggs are there? I mean, mm-hmm. there's all these times when your anxiety is heightened, which in turn increases your blood pressure, your heart rate, your stress hormones, and your breathing rate. So mm-hmm. You're kind of um, always in this state of, um, of uh, like you have just been in a car accident. You're always mm-hmm. heightened in your emotions. If yeah. you can induce the relaxation response, you can decrease those, which decreases your physical symptoms and gives your body a chance to recuperate and to experience a different state um, in a state of calm. Okay. So kind of trying to um, practice that and and live more of your day in that state of calm helps your body to um, address some of the physical symptoms that it's experiencing and decreases depression symptoms. So things Mm -hmm. like breath focus or body scan or mindfulness, guided imagery, all of those aspects of um, mindfulness and therapy can Mm -hmm. help. So you're saying that not only is it depression itself, which can worsen a woman's chances and impact infertility, but also just that that heightened state of kind of fight or flight, effectively, yeah. that, that sympathetic nervous system of running around blood draws, ultrasounds, you know, the scientification, effectively, of reproduction. You think that makes it even harder to conquer Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, waiting for a call from your nurse, um, it, you know, mm-hmm. for your pregnancy test, when you took a blood test that morning, you could wait all day and live in a mm-hmm. heightened state. Oh, there's nothing worse than that waiting. PM. Is there nothing worse no. than waiting on that for that phone call with results, whatever Absolutely. the health consequence may be? And the epitome of that is when you do an IVF cycle, there's 12 days between an egg transplant and when you find out whether or not um, you mm-hmm. it, it succeeded, whether the first blood test shows positive pregnancy mm-hmm. results. You are on so many hormones that your body actually has more um, pregnancy hormones in it than um, a naturally pregnant woman Oh, goodness. And I had a lot of crazy pregnancy hormones when I was pregnant, so I can only imagine you're saying it's worse. 
It's worse. And so your body tells you you're pregnant, but you don't actually know. And so you wait <sighs> 12 days having your body tell you, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, and you not being able to believe it or trust it. Mm-hmm. So you yes. are living in a state of, I can't trust my body. I'm in fear. What will happen in 12 days? Um, I, I, you know, it's a constant state of um, heightened arousal. So it, it sounds dreadful because you don't know and you don't want to get your hopes up because you don't know what the results will be at the end of 12 days so you don't no. want to get all excited it's cautious optimism you yeah. you do it because you hope but you don't know you don't know so rebecca you mentioned a couple of different things you said a body scan um, uh, some mindfulness things is there kind of a, a one minute or 30 second kind of exercise you can walk all of us through right now that if somebody's going through infertility, it's great for them, but every one of us, I'm sure we could all do to lower our stress levels a little bit. Absolutely. Um, so uh, let's start with um, kind of um, a breath. This one is my favorite. It's just a breath focus. Um, if we count in for four, then we're going to hold for four. We're going to count out for four and hold for four. And you can almost imagine a box. So you count in for four, you go up vertically. You hold for four, you go across horizontally, you um, you release your breath for four, you go down vertically, and you hold for four, you go back across horizontally. So if you can envision that box in your head and making it, mm-hmm. um, we can do that right now. Let's do it. Okay, so let's breathe in All of our for listeners, four. if you're driving, just pull over for a second. Don't do this while you're driving. Okay, go ahead. Yes, please no. Um, breathe in for four. Now hold for four. Breathe out for four. And hold for four. And I recommend doing that three or four times in a row. And you'll notice that your heart rate and your breathing rate really do decrease. Um, Mm -hmm. Your shoulders might even fall a little bit at the end of it. And you'll be more present in the moment. Wonderful. Rebecca, that was called a breath focus exercise? Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, everybody, three to four times do your breath focus exercise because you're right. Rebecca, you made some great points that depression, higher levels of anxiety and stress, they, they impact infertility. They impact all aspects of our lives. So I'm a big believer in getting a hold of that and to help you feel better, be healthier, and be more productive at the same time. So... Thank you. And again, Rebecca, how can everybody find you? Because you have wonderful information on your blog. Tell us the website. Blavincounseling.com. It's G-L-A-V-I-N counseling.com. And thank you so much for having me today. It's a topic I'm really passionate about. Rebecca, we always love having you. Again, this is Rebecca Glavin, glavincounseling.com. Of course, I'll be tweeting about this segment at Dr. Daria. So follow me there. You can follow the segments there. You can also download it and follow us on our iTunes podcast station or download them at sharecare.com backslash radio. This is Dr. Daria. You're listening to Sharecare Radio on Radio MD, where we help you be your healthiest you. Thanks for listening and stay well.